This week on Excelsior Journeys, I sit down with actress, writer, producer, Jen Eldridge and her husband, writer, producer, director, and Sports Emmy Award winner, Carl Hansen. Uh, these two are a terrific power couple that are constantly creating the opportunities as they go and also reaping the benefits of those opportunities. You have seen Jen on Dexter and the Goldbergs, and you've also seen the shows that Carl has worked on, including My Dementia and also on Fox Sports. It's been such a thrill to have them both here, especially since I have known Jen for almost 30 years now. The two of us went to high school together. I knew that she was going to really make her mark in this industry. I was right. You get to hear all about it this week. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy, and thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 80 episodes. This has been such a blast doing this show. We are nowhere near stopping anytime soon. And if any of you want to show your support, there are a few ways to do it. First of all, if you like what you've been hearing and you want to share it with other people, feel free to send your friends, family members, loved ones, anyone to he's got it.com slash podcasts so they can choose which platform they would like to subscribe to. If you are an Apple user, um, I strongly suggest following me on Apple Podcasts. And if you're an Android user, there are a whole lot of different options to choose from, including Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. Um, I'm still thrilled that we're on Pandora. And if you also feel the need to show any additional support, you can always leave a rate and review on the Apple Podcast page. And it's always appreciated if you click on that Buy Me a Coffee link as well. When I started this show back in 2018, one of the things that I was really excited about was because, was that I get to reconnect with a whole lot of different friends that I've known from all different walks of life. And those of you who have tuned in for previous episodes, you know how I've been able to take advantage of that. You know, some wonderfully talented people from grade school, high school, college, after college, people that I've only known on Facebook. It's just been a, a, a hell of a ride doing this show. And one of the people that I knew was going to be on the show was someone that I knew very, very well in high school. Um, and that is Jen Eldridge. Jen and I have known each other since I was a sophomore in high school when I first took Drama One. And she was also in that same Drama One class with the late, great Mac Dameron as our teacher. Uh, those of you who have heard the, uh, the previous episode from a couple of years ago, uh, the tribute to, uh, to Mac Dameron, with some other students and you know it's it really that that those three years uh being in that drama class really really helped shape me into who i am and one of the great things about it is getting to getting to basically collaborate with all these great people uh jen eldridge definitely one of my favorite people that were that were there um not only was she someone who always made sure to give me the time of day but she was always 
always you know like showing uh showing her uh talent while being just a really good person and these days you know like it's it's great to see that that you know that someone can go ahead and make a name for themselves in this wonderful world of show business and still wind up being a good person um and sure enough she and her husband carl hansen have been one hell of an up-and-coming force uh with carl as a a sports emmy award-winning uh, director, uh, producer, a writer, and also uh, Jen is not only an actress. You've seen her in, uh, you've seen her on Dexter. You've seen her on the Goldbergs recently. Um, she is also she also has her own series. She is also a uh, not only an actress but also a writer and producer of her own content. And I am so thrilled to have them both here because they got a lot of stuff to talk about, and it is my privilege to welcome Jen Eldridge and Carl Hansen. How are you both today? Oh, George, that was so kind. Thanks thanks for having us. That was awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> I feel the well, same yeah. way about you, bud. I mean, yes, absolutely. Shared hearts for sure, always. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that was that's always been something that I always remember. Just the fact that you always made a point to say hello to me, you know, like every, every day over in, uh, in um in, in high school it was just always great you know to hear from you and um all the many times that we just got to just you know chat after classes you know just while i was waiting for you know a ride to come and pick me up it was yeah. always something i really really appreciated i feel the same way you know, we were so lucky to have that family you know dynamic at, you know in such a important part of our lives and high school can be, you know, kind of a nightmare for people. And we were so fortunate to have that rock, you know, yeah. of that class and those people. And I mean, how could I not give you the time of day? You were the nicest person alive. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, now, I understand that both of you are working on uh, working on a big uh, project that's going to be um, that is going until the end of, of this week, am I correct? Yeah, so um, the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which is a film competition that we both competed in last week. Um, it's a film challenge that takes about five days. You have to write, shoot, edit, you know, do, do your own um, finished film in, in this amount of time. Um, but the point of it is to help people with disabilities um, get representation in front of or behind the camera. Um, so I have my team cultural detritus um, and we made a film called Archaic Intergalactic Extraterrestrials, which is a parody wow. of uh, of ancient aliens um, because mockumentaries require nice. genre that, that we had to make this year. <laughs> um, but we did something a little oh, that's unique. Great. That's great. We did something. I mean, the, <laughs> right the up film, your alley, George. <laughs> the, the film, and it's out. It's oh, out I'm now. So so, so um, yeah. the, the reason reason I want to bring it up is um, there's an awareness campaign going on um, till the end of this week. I want to say April 5th is the um, the date that it ends, but mm -hmm. that you can um, vote essentially by watching um, one of the films in, in the competition or by liking it, right? By liking, commenting, sharing. Um, the more likes, shares, comments we get, the, the better we do in this competition. But nice. our team, Cultural Detritus, um, which made the, the Ancient Alien spoof, mm -hmm. um, we teamed up with another team called Team ASL uh, with the team leader, uh, Megan Clancy. And um, we agreed that we were going to do a two-team 
tag team film where we have crossover mm. characters in each film. Um, <laughs> and uh, another friend, um, Megan Malone, ended up directing, writing and directing for them. But we, we did a bunch of crossovers. And it was the first time I think ever that's ever been done. Um, definitely in this competition, but I don't know if it's been done in, in other film competitions, but Jen was a part of that film. Right. So um, the 40, the- It's called the Over 40 Files. Over 40 Files. Nice. And nice. It's, it's a parody about kind of women feeling like they disappeared after 40. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, very different takes. One's an ancient alien yeah. parody and one is, <laughs> is a hardcore- uh, um, it's still pretty funny, though. It's a good they're yeah. good companion pieces because they're very different. Nice. And it sounds like there's a really good rapport between both groups as well. So everyone is kind of like, you know, understanding each other's style and their humor and everything. And they're able to kind of play to each one. So it doesn't seem like too jarring. Right. A absolutely. And I mean, what we decided early on is we decided as two teams to come together that first night of the competition. Everything happens on a, on a Tuesday this year. Um, and then we decided to come up with our various concepts and then we just went off and made our own films, right? It's like, but we were in constant communication. It's like, hey, when do you need that actor? Cause we yeah. need that actor at this time instead. Um, and, and our team was a little oh, slow nice. going in terms of the writing, which actually gave the, the benefit to them cause they were able to start shooting earlier. Um, so it worked out perfectly. I mean, it was like the first time we'd ever done anything like that. Um, and it was an awesome, just awesome experience. Um, but you can go see them. Uh, if you go to YouTube, the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge um, page. So if you yeah. go to YouTube, put in Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, and you can see all the, there's 93 films this year, and I highly wow. encourage everybody to, to, to watch all of them. Um, but it would be awesome if you voted for Archaic, Intergalactic, Extraterrestrials, and the over 45s. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. And I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a link to that in my show notes. So everyone can go right over there. And I'll also have the names of both of your, uh, both of your shows. So that way everyone knows where to go, who to, which one to click on, which one to vote for. For those of you who haven't really heard the show, like all that much, basically what I really love to hear about is what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that is that moment Everyone, everyone has it where they experience something or see someone or hear something. And that moment that that is the direction they want to go in, that is the kind of that is who they want to be. Um, so for both of you, what was that moment? Because, Jen, I know that, uh, you know, drama wasn't, uh, you know, drama started for you pretty, pretty early for you, right? It did. Yeah, I have to say. Um, I was really fortunate in that both of my parents really were interested in the arts. And so my childhood was really uh, surrounded by them. My mom loved theater. She loved going to the theater. She loved musicals. She loved, you know, movies that were musicals. She took me to the ballet. She was mm -hmm. really wonderful about showing me the arts as a young child. And then my dad is actually a visual artist. So even when I was growing really? up, yeah, he um, he went to VCU and um, he was uh -huh. a teacher for a long time, but he would continue to, even when he was like a car salesman, he yeah. would um, work on projects and he would like paint mallards um, <laughs> for like extra money and things. Yeah. There's always like some crazy art project going on in our house, but he was really great about taking my brother and I to art museums and talking to us about art and just has a real eye for beauty and I, yeah. I definitely get that from him and then 
And then I started doing it, I think in middle school and of course being in high school and having D and, you know, he being such a mentor to me and yeah. he, um, he really showed me a path to take and really taking this more seriously. And one of those things was he suggested that I apply to a program at Northwestern. Um, mm -hmm. They do a summer program for kids. Um, they have theater, dance, journalism, um, all kinds of music, all kinds of things. And so I was fortunate enough to be accepted to the theater program. Wow. And that was between my junior and senior year of high school. And I think that was the real moment that I started to really feel like an artist and mm -hmm. that I really wanted to make this, you know, like my life's work, that this was really what I was supposed to do and had to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely. And I never really sensed that there was anything less than that from you, because during the you said that that was your junior between your junior and senior year when you had that. Right. You know, I graduated right after, you know, at the end of your junior year, because we're, sure. you know, uh, I was a year ahead of you. But those three years that I knew you, I knew nothing but talent from you. So that's <laughs> so the fact that, you know, like you were still kind of wondering is this the direction you want to go in? And it's like, you've already showed that that is the direction you should be going in. Oh, thank so. you. I, I was foolish enough to think like, maybe I'll be a doctor. <laughs> you know, what's funny. You know, what's really funny is that my mother had been trying so hard to have me be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> from seventh grade on, you know, like that's all she was talking about. And, you know, like her way of doing it was almost like osmosis by having me watch LA law, you know, like <laughs> every, every Thursday, like that was, that was just it. And the whole time I was just like, I want to get in the arts, you know, like, right. I'm, you're like, I'm watching TV. Yeah. Beyond this, you know? Yes. <laughs> I think Carl has a, a similar experience. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, but I was brought up by TV. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. similar to you, Jenna, my parents were very appreciative of art and I'd go to art museums. Um, there was a lot of music in my family. Like my aunt was a, a former opera singer in Vienna. And so wow. there was just like music. And I took piano lessons. Um, I never really practiced, but I took the lessons and, you know, <laughs> really just kind of like had that um, exposure to, to it at a young age. Um, but really, I think that that moment for me, that sort of epiphany like moment um, was a, a B Hollywood movie came to my neighborhood where I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. So I grew up um, in a small neighborhood called Beverly farms, which is a, a very wealthy enclave of this, this city of Beverly. My family was not wealthy. Yeah. We were, we were um, renting a house there, but, um, but the, a mm -hmm. movie came, came by and it was like a very, it's a very picturesque mm -hmm. little downtown area, which is what they were coming for. And before the, the, mm -hmm. the primary unit came, you know, the art department was there, the swing gang trying to get everything set up. Right. So they were like replacing signs. Um, there was this little house that was like a printing shop, but they were making it into a barber shop. And I was able to nice. kind of sit on my curb, my front stoop essentially, and watch this film get made um, at 10 years old. And um, it was called, Ooh. at the time it was called American Build. It's now called Race for Glory. I, it came out on VHS. I don't know if it's even still viewable somewhere. I think maybe there's a clip on, on YouTube about it. But when the art department yeah. was in that, that set where they were making the barber shop, um, mm -hmm. they, somebody just happened to say out loud, does anybody have any food coloring? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to run back to my mom's, you know, kitchen and see if she has food coloring. 
I run back yeah. with this blue food coloring and they're like, oh, thanks. And they put it into a jar that was full yeah. of just water and it made it look like it was Barbasol. Like the way you go to a barber shop oh, and you see nice. Barbasol and do this. And as a 10 year old, I was like, oh, that is magical. What occurred? <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't understand exactly what was going on then, but it was just like the yeah. seed was planted. I was an extra mm -hmm. in that movie. A friend of mine just sent me a picture recently of both of us at um, very, very young ages in that movie as extras. And, um, yeah. and it brought back so many memories, but that for me was that moment. It was, it was seeing that and then volunteering at my cable access studio um, at like 12 years old. And then that was, that sealed the deal. Oh, that's yeah, great. Carl's been in this business since he was 14 years old. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really incredible. I mean, if anyone has known from a very young age, what they want to do with their life, it's Carl. I don't know. It it was that moment yeah. when I was 10. It's like the circus coming to town kind of thing. Yeah, it, it exactly. Is exa <laughs> that is exactly it. And in fact, what's really interesting yeah. about that is I always think of, you know, production is this fly by night industry because you, that is, you go in, you kind of take over a place for a little bit and then you have to leave with uh, hopefully no trace that you were there to begin with. Yeah. Um, but that you have to be so trustable in that experience because if you, if you violate that, and you're mm -hmm. in a location and you've d damaged stuff like other people won't be able to go in and and work there right it's like you can't get another production to go in so um yeah. i've always kind of really taken it upon myself of a matter of like production pride to to and i was a location manager for for a number of um television shows that you know you don't leave you don't leave your mark you kind of utilize the the space and um treat it as you would any other place that you're visiting as a guest and then you you leave it to the next people that's great so, yeah that is great. So, so really, both of you had your directions kind of you know, established fairly early. Um, you know, Jenna was just basically just. It sounded like more than anything, it was just like kind of confirmation. Just like, am I going in the right direction? And then you get that northwestern thing. It was just like, yes, you are. Yeah. So you know, mm -hmm. and with everything that uh, that you were doing, Carl, um, how did you guys meet? By the way. Well, George, we met on set. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> the Hollywood love story. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, as an actor, you tend to have lots of survival jobs in this town. And mm -hmm. one of mine was doing craft services. And mm -hmm. um, for people outside the film industry, that's basically like um, providing snacks, essentially, for the crew um, for the length of the, of the shoot. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be, you know, hostess cupcakes or that can be like something you make from home and you know is this whole big thing um depending yeah. on the budget i think and your craft service person um <laughs> but uh but i happened to do craft service on this show called mind of mencia that was on comedy central and uh wow. it was for me it was a, a one day a week show and uh carl was a producer on that show and I like to eat and I would hang out by the snack food table where this really pretty smart person that I would go and have great conversations with um, would be. And I would be like, oh, good, I can snack and I can talk to this awesome person at the same time. It works out perfectly. Yep. So Yeah. And Carl, I have to say, Carl is, I mean, he's just sunshine, but especially in in this business, you know, unfortunately, they're not always uh, 
very nice people all the time. And, yeah. and Carl was a producer, so, you know, high up there and yet was still the kindest, nicest, like best energy um, walking around on that stage. And I found myself like whenever he would walk by, I'd be like, hi, Carl. And then I'd kind of Aww. like check myself of like, what's going on there? Like, <laughs> What am I feeling? And um, mm -hmm. funny story is that I, I, me and an, another girlfriend had made a pact that we were no longer going to ask guys out. I was like 20, mm -hmm eight, something like that. And we were just done with it. We were like, there's no reason that we, you know, need to do this. Like they're going to come up to us. We're going to, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's probably not very 2021, but um, at the time felt like the right thing to do. If they're smart. Yeah, they will. Like <laughs> right. Exactly. We're just going to bide our time and wait. Mm -hmm. And, um, and sure enough, of course, within a week of that, Carl and I were talking and we were talking about a play that was nearby at the Blank Theater. Book of Liz, right? It was the David Sedaris Yes, play. yep, oh, nice. exactly. Nice. And um, and Carl was telling me about it and, and I said, well, we should go see it. And then immediately was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, I'm just glad she did that because I was chickening out asking her to go out. So it worked out perfectly in my favor because I was like, Oh, here's my entry. I don't have to worry so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think that, I mean the writing was was pretty much on the wall. Like I I was you know suddenly like getting him his like favorite tea and you know having special things. My my favorite flower, mm -hmm. sunflowers would show up at the table and my favorite iced tea and I'm like, "Oh, what's going on mm -hmm. here?" Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and wow. then uh, we decided our first date we were going to go out, and it was just kind of just haven't stopped. It's been <laughs> <laughs> still, still obviously still going strong today. That's fan that's you know it's fantastic. Um, now I got to ask Jen. Um, yeah. Now you know, like we knew each other back in Richmond, Virginia. Sure. Um, but it seems like you know you've so taken to LA that you were crying when the Dodgers won the World Series. Oh, so. My gosh, yeah. How long have you been there? I've been here since 2000, so 21 years. And wow. I have to say, I I love Los Angeles. Like anyone yeah. that knows me, spends any time with me, they know how deeply I love this city. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, it's not for everyone. I, I don't, I truly don't understand people that have like, that have never been here and they hate on it or just hate on it because I maybe they think it's easy to hate on. But I... I think it's so beautiful and diverse and the, the people in the city are incredible and I learn something new every day and the art scene is so strong, obviously mm -hmm. film and it just, it fills me up this city. I, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've been here for yeah 21 years. Now, did you start just decide that, you know, like I'm going to L.A.? Because um, you because you went to you, you went to Virginia Tech. After, I did. After Godwin, right? I did. So I went to Virginia Tech and then I went on tour um, with a show called To Kill a Mockingbird. Nice. And um, so I did I did a national tour of that. And then and I had decided pretty much when I graduated from tech that I was probably going to go to Chicago. Um, Chicago felt like home to me. Um, it was a city I felt like I knew really well. It felt like the right transition into doing what I wanted to do, which was theater. 
And then I went on this tour mm -hmm. and I saw more of the country and I got braver. And I was the first time, not the first time, but I felt really empowered by that tour. And it was kind of the yeah. first like push out the door of like, go be an actor, you know? And, mm -hmm. and when I, the people that I met on that tour, all, they were all New Yorkers. I was this I don't know. I felt mm -hmm. like a country bumpkin. Um, they were so cool. I remember getting on the van the first time and they were like, I mean, just the, just the typical, like they were in their like black turtlenecks in their, you know, cool jeans. And I was in like a sweatsuit, <laughs> like, Hey guys, ready to go to work. You know, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> and they, they just, uh, they, they, I just looked up to them so much and they had all you know, like I said, lived and worked in New York. And I was so intrigued by that and excited by that. And so at the end of that tour, I thought I'm either going to move to New York or mm. I'm going to move to LA. And my best friend wow. at the time lived in Los Angeles. And mm -hmm. um, this is so silly, but I mean, I was 23 years old. I called up a friend of mine who was kind of in the same place and you know, it's time to make like a big move. And I called her up and I said, okay, where are we, where are we going to move New York or LA? And she said, LA. And that mm. was it. Wow. <laughs> Silly, but and I was living and I was living in New York at the time. So you know, yeah. I, you know so have did you get to tell the uh the people that you were doing the show with about your own New York stories, considering that we got to, you know, spend a few days over there with um uh with Mr. Dameron's class? Oh my gosh. You know what's funny, George? I so I didn't tell them, but you know, when we got together for um, for Dee's tribute two years ago, we all yeah. shared all of our stories from thinking back oh. about that experience. And it was so good to think uh, about them again. Oh, I would do too. I wish I, I, wish I could have been there. Oh, well, you know what's funny? Been so much fun. Oh, I wish you had to. We missed you so much. Like everyone that wasn't there, we felt, we felt that. Like we felt like you were, you guys yeah. were missing. It just... It was so good to have us, but at the same time, they did feel like pieces missing completely. But Carl yeah, actually that's got why to I meet. Did that tribute show. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally, of course. Yeah. Um, but Carl mm -hmm. got to meet Todd, who um, I lived with and who lived with me um, a few years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Well, and I got to meet D when he yeah. came to our screening of War Torn oh, at the yeah. Richmond International Film Festival. Oh, wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is so great that he that he was able to you're able to stay in touch with him like that. Oh my gosh, I oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I got to meet so, um, so so Carl, with um, you said that you were a producer on, on Mind of Mencia. Were you a producer with Comedy Central? Were you a producer with Mencia's production company? What was your what was your in there? So I um. I had been a coordinating producer on Weekends at the DL, which was a um, a talk show, comedy talk show that DL Hughley had. Oh, and nice. it was produced by the same executive producers um, as Mind of Mencia. So okay. it just sort of was a transition from Weekends at the DL, that the DL Hughley talk show into that one. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of like one ended and then that one kind of began. And so mm -hmm. um, I was a coordinating producer of all the field packages um, of just like the, the different pieces that are not on the soundstage. So it's sort of like yeah. what Key and Peele would do, they'd go out and do those kinds of the things. And in fact, the production designer of Key and Peele was our production designer on, uh, on Mind of Mencia as well, Gary Corden, who's now an Emmy winning oh, nice. production designer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was an interesting experience because I wasn't like a huge fan of the comedy of that show, 
but I really liked all mm -hmm. the people on it. And in fact, came out of that show with a number of friendships that still I have today. Um, in addition to yeah. obviously my, my now wife and we've been married 10 years, right? We just had our 10th anniversary and that was for us. So we've been together like 14, 15 years at this point. And that's, that's when fabulous. that show was, you know, yeah. it was, it was that long ago. Um, so, um, so yeah, it, it, I had known the other producers beforehand and had done other shows with them as well. Um, you know, it, it just sort of, as the industry goes, you work, work with people, you know, and the people who know you, you know, and if you do good work, yeah. they hopefully hire you again. Yeah. I remember, um, Bill Burr talk, telling the story about when, uh, Patrice O'Neill passed away 10 years, almost 10 years ago now. Wow. Um, he was saying how, when he, uh, had a chance to meet with some Comedy Central executives. He put on his "I'm going to get a deal" shirt, and he goes into the to the office to pitch his idea. And instead of pitching the idea for like 50 minutes of that hour, all he did was yell at them for putting Mind Dementia on the air. So you weren't <laughs> alone when it comes to like being a you know not being a fan of the comedy. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't for everybody, but listen, the <laughs> yeah. benefit is it brought us together. So exactly. for, for me, I can't say it. Yeah, many it. friendships. <laughs> big, yeah. big bucket of win there. You know, like there's there no, 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 uh, no complaining there. Um, so when, so when you guys got together, how long was it before you started collaborating on projects together? It's a great question. Um, what's the first thing that we did was. It was cookie, right? Oh no. Yeah, I think Cookie was the first one, 2007. So it was within a year. It was it was about a year where I think we worked out because I think the first time you you didn't know the kind of stuff I was working on yet, and I don't even know. Yeah, I think to to be honest, the first mm -hmm. uh, film that I saw of Carl's was a mockumentary, and nice. I have to say, and he knows this, so it's not like I'm revealing something on the air to embarrass him, but it mm -hmm. it's not my favorite of his films, and so, uh, but you know, we we've okay. like you said, we're we're artists, we collaborate with each other, you know, we're we're honest with each other, um, mm -hmm. but you know, at the time, it's like here's my new boyfriend, you know, I was just being supportive and, you know, you brought me a you. bottle of, I think you brought me a bottle of whiskey yeah. and so you read to like the screening. I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like right. no one had ever done that by the way before. That's how I sealed yeah. the deal, George. It worked out great. There it worked out perfect. But, but to be fair as well, that was the only the second 48 hour film project I had made. And to Jen's point oh, really? that we, that as artists were growing, I was still learning what that mm -hmm. process was like for me. Um, and so I, you know, to, mm -hmm. to her point, you know, after seeing that film, I don't know that a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, I want to work with that guy. That's, that's the kind of, that's the director I want to work with. But right. the people who, yeah. you know, the, that once we started making more, more of these, like people did start coming back and a number of those actors did come back for, for other films after that. Absolutely. And I think, I think kind of what, I'm meant by that is that uh, is that the process of 48 hour, um, which you can obviously talk about, um, is so yeah. seemingly stressful. And it is, it is stressful, but Carl is so mm -hmm. wonderful in that medium. Like he, he just thrives and timed filmmaking is not for everyone. It's not for, it's not for everyone as a director, producer crew. And it is certainly yeah. not for everyone as an actor. And we've, we've mm -hmm. watched people completely implode on set before. And it's oh, just wow. like, yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, and so I think I was just a little nervous, not only of, 
you know, working with this guy that I was dating and hoping that was going to mm-hmm. work out. Um, but also kind of the thing itself, you know, of, of really being like, is this something I can do? You know, it moves so yeah. fast and I'm not, you know, we don't know, you don't even know what we're doing until we get there. And like, that seems weird. And, you know, um, but, <laughs> but now, I mean, I think we'll get to this, but now I, I feel probably the most comfortable in that because it is so fast. And I mm-hmm. love that. And I love making quick, strong decisions. It feels really empowering as an actor to, um, to, yeah. you know, to have something and, and have to make quick character decisions. Um, and I know, I know it's yeah. helped me as an actor and I know um, Carl's um, writing um, producer and, and partner Clay um, has found that his writing has gotten stronger for it as well. It's, it's like getting your reps in. I call it going to the filmmaker gym. Like I know for me, it's made me a stronger filmmaker. So it's like the more you do that kind of stuff, I had to get through the bad mockumentary and like the, the earlier ones in order to figure out what it even could be. You know, it was like, those are experiments yeah. in, in many ways. And you know, they, they're still out there and you can go and watch them, but you can definitely see a progression from the, the earlier ones to now what we're able to, to turn around in just a couple of days is remarkable. Oh yeah. I know exactly what you mean too. Cause I I've done so far, I've done three um, you would say like timed projects like that. I did a, um, I worked with a theater company when I was in uh, New York City at, to do a 24-hour uh, film, um, 24-hour one-act uh, one-act play festival. Yeah, exactly. And so it. it was, yeah. So it, it was, you know, coming up with the idea, working with working with a director to write the script, and then you know, like getting the three actors that we were assigned to uh, to go ahead and um, go ahead and learn the lines and everything, and then putting it up. You know, that you know, 24 hours later. And it was such an amazing experience to do that. And, mm-hmm. um, and it turns out one of the actors uh, was Ryan Kasperzak, who I would later know, um, who, I, who I knew from college, um, but he would go on to be on So You Think You Can Dance. And he is now a choreographer working with, uh, with Lin- Lin-Manuel on Hamilton. Oh, so amazing. yes, and he was, he was my guest here for episode 50. So, um, you know, it, it was, you know, just great to hear to hear on that. You know, he got to be one of the actors. He actually got to read my lines. Oh, and I always, awesome. you know, I always, I always put that in as just like a little, you know, like notch right there. It's just like, yep, I made that happen. Mm. And um, obviously, he did did uh, National Novel Writing Month became the friend, um, and then the National Podcast Post Month Challenge became my second podcast. So uh, that's so. It, it really is very much like the way the way you said it, Carl, is perfect. It really is like going to the gym because you, you it's just forcing you to get things done and right. you can't help but get better at it the more you go with it. Right. Exactly. As long as you don't put so much pressure on yourself to make yourself miserable in the process. What I learned, I had put myself through that and, and it was not fun mm-hmm. for me. Like I would be like returning equipment on Monday morning. I remember this one time and I can't remember what film it was, but I essentially called my mom in tears and had a mental breakdown because yeah. I couldn't understand like why somebody wasn't helping me with this film project that I had been the one wanting to, you know, to do and to champion. And then mm-hmm. I, it just like was this epiphany of like, nobody else is going to care as much about this thing as much as you will, right? This is, yeah. it, it's just like, I had to put myself in that mindset. And mm-hmm. from then forward, I realized I'm like, this is supposed to be fun. 
It's not supposed yeah. to be that real grind that like is so detrimental to you that it, it makes you break down in tears on Monday morning. Like I want to go into work and be like super excited and happy. And I also learned to take Monday mornings off or, you know, Mondays off after that. Cause I think I was doing too much, um, <laughs> but, oh, but yeah. it was like learning my own limits through that, but, but truly getting, getting those reps in. And, and I tell young filmmakers this all the time, like you have a, a camera in your pocket, right? Most yeah. cell phones now shoot 4k video. Some of the new Android shoot 8K video. You do wow. not need 8K video in your pocket, but you have it. Yeah. And so, you know, if you want to shoot an IMAX movie, you can do it, you know? So mm -hmm. like, don't be afraid of, of what you perceive as limitations or ways in, like, just do it. Like, I mean, I still edit stuff just mm -hmm. for fun. You know what I mean? Like, just because I enjoy the, the process of it, but I also, I get better at it. You know, it's like, I need to, to yeah. um, feel, feel like I'm, I'm staying current, you know? I think too, like we, it's basically just like making your own opportunities, right? Exactly, and yeah. and I, you know, we we still we come up, you know, against challenges, really, really big challenges. I mean, I think probably one of the biggest. It seemingly sounds like a small thing, but last year, oh gosh, when was it? Two thousand nineteen. We won Los Angeles for um, a film called Connections, um, which you can imagine, mm -hmm. George. Like you know. We're in, I think, I think they said Los Angeles and Paris are the 48 hour um, cities that have the most entries of films. So the competition yeah. in Los Angeles to make these films is unbelievable. You know, we come in with this mm. idea of like, oh, we really knocked it out of the park this year. And then we'll watch our screening and be like, or maybe someone else will win. You know, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's so hard and it's humbling and it's mm -hmm. amazing because you see these filmmakers grow. You see these actors grow, the writers grow, like you, you, you know, people come back, they love it. Yeah. But um, we were fortunate enough to win the city in 2019. And let me tell you, that was hard fought. You know, Carl's been doing it for. Um, it was at that point, 15 years. 15 years. And so wow. we won the city. Really, really exciting. And then um, and then the next year. So last year during the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. you know, they still had the competition, but you had to shoot essentially everything super safe, obviously COVID friendly, like everything had to be done so safely that it made me very paranoid. I was like very, very nervous, but I knew mm -hmm. we needed to figure out how to do something, right? It was like doing yeah. something in COVID because, oh, we're probably going to be in this for a little bit. How do we, how do we do something, you know, in, in a, as safe a way as possible. So. Right. And you had to, I think you had to take a class, right? I had to take a class. We all had to get our COVID tests. Um, like 48 hours in advance. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, there was a lot. And so I did my best to mitigate all of that. And it was like, great, we're just going to keep it very, very small, very, very intimate. And that's the way we're going to do this. Yeah, we were fortunate to draw yeah. the genre of road film, um, which was really wonderful because then I could just eventually, you know, drive around. And because obviously Carl and I are in a pod together, you know, that, that worked out mm -hmm. well. Um, so yeah. anyway, we, you know, we shot this film. It's a beautiful film. We felt so proud of it. Um, I still believe that it, you know, is, is such a wonderful whole film, but as we, we turned it in, we felt great about it and mm -hmm. we got contacted by the, the judges and the producers of the, of the contest. And they said, oh, you forgot a really big 
rule requirement, requirement yeah. within your film. And unfortunately, we can't accept your film for the the um, judging. So you can still, like your film will still be shown, but yeah. you can't be You're within, disqualified. Yeah, you're you're essentially disqualified from the competition because Damn. The, yeah. the required character had to be seen on camera. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to ensure that your film's been made in the time period. That's where the, they give you a line of dialogue, a prop, a character, mm-hmm. uh, and then a genre, right? Those are the, your requirements going into the competition. And to ensure you've done it in that time period, they want to make sure you're showing your character um, on the screen. And because of my paranoia, really, and upset safety and trying to keep everybody apart, we specifically wrote the required character as a voiceover radio voice so that we didn't have too many people together, right? So that's all I was thinking about. I totally, you know, forgotten about that rule. And then, I mean, I tried to plead my case because everyone had worked so hard on that film. And I tried to plead my case. I'm like, oh, you know, seeing, seeing is in the mind. I mean, I really, I, I really went to bat and found scientific articles, but that was, I mean, very clearly I'd forgotten. It was just something that was not in there and um, got disqualified. But it is, it's a beautiful mm. film. Like it's yeah. submitting it to other festivals now. So. But I think like Excellent. that was, you know, a real learning experience for us and a real, I mean, the competition is always very humbling because of the amount of talent in this town and, and, um, and in that competition specifically, but it was just, I don't know. I, I think it was just such a beautiful reminder of like, you know, you've got to, you've got to stay focused and you, and you really, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. And, and what's really interesting about that. And maybe I think what started you on the path of telling the story is that because we were disqualified. Oh, yeah. Actually it wasn't, but yes. Oh, because we were disqualified, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we weren't a part of the main competition which had their awards on some date, like November 14th, I wanna say, just yeah. randomly, right? So on that date were these awards, it also turned out there was another 48 hour competition that was happening on that weekend that had we oh. done the awards, we would not have done that competition because there just wouldn't have been a way to do both. But instead right. of, you know, worrying and, and, you know, fretting about that um, missed opportunity with missed, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. that we ended up making this um, 10 minute, I guess it was like one minute episodes, 10 one minute episodes for an app called Rizzle. And it was called Changing Lanes, which has turned oh. out to be an awesome vehicle for Jen. Um, now trying, we're getting into other festivals with, with it. So we never would Excellent. have made that had we been just sort of like, you know, with our tail between our legs because we got disqualified. It's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Just sit here and, you know, bemoan that fact? No, let's do something. Yeah. Yeah. That's fabulous. That's a great way to to look at it too. It's just basically just like a chance for a different opportunity. So, you know, like if, um, was it a matter of just, you know, as soon as they told you you were disqualified, it was just like, okay, well, what else can we do at that point? Or is it just something that you just happened to stumble upon? I needed about a day and a half. That's typically the time mm-hmm. frame that I need from really disappointing news and getting really upsetting no- news to feeling like I can at least move past it and not be in that like sad, miserable state, which I am for a day and a half. But I need yeah. I need that time in oh, order yeah. to feel the loss and feel it. it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't have residual stuff after that, but that's sort of like the big time for me. And then it's like, OK, I'm not going to sit here in this for this much longer what's the next mm-hmm. thing? And and it was soon thereafter, I got an email about that other competition. I'm like, well, this is something we can do from home. 
and and do it ourselves and make something just fun, just her and I. And that was something I really wanted to do too, was specifically do something essentially just her and I. Megan, Megan Malone wrote the, the script for it, um, mm -hmm. who ended up directing that other, um, the Team ASL film for this Easter Seals competition. But um, but ultimately it was just Jen and I working on it, you know, on the ground all day, Saturday, laughing. I laughed all day, Saturday. <laughs> um, and you can see it, you can and see it on the Beverly entertainment website, beverlyentertainment.com. You can go and see it. It's great. It's super excellent. Fun. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's um, your mindset for that. It just sounds a lot like what, um, what Marv Levy wrote on the, on the bulletin board right after the bills lost to the giants at super bowl 25. When he just, uh, he wrote out this poem uh, that I, really remember just said uh fight on my men sir uh st andrew said a little i'm hurt but not yet slain i'll just lie down and bleed a while and then i'll rise and fight again so that sounds like the same sort of mindset that you have with that just feel it get it out but then once it's out it stays out and then you can get up and start focusing on the next thing yeah that sounds like the entertainment industry in a nutshell george <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you go through that frequently with auditions and yeah, i mean I'm it's sure. co constant mm -hmm. slog mm -hmm. constant now um now so you have the you have the producing experience obviously and you have and uh you have the Jen, you obviously has uh you have obviously have the acting experience um but both of you have also have writing experience when did that start coming up I know for me, I mean, I've always been writing for as long as I can remember, you know, having a, a pen or a pencil and then getting a typewriter and then getting a computer, you know, just sort of mm -hmm. always writing stuff. And and I have like poems from, you know, middle school and high school and journals and things. So I've always just kind of been been writing and really found a voice in high school of writing short stories and, and things like that. But um even though I was a, a writing <laughs> minor, right? so, I mean, you saw, Jen, you saw me I nod. You know, you know exactly where my head was going. You're talking to the right person. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I would just write sketches, and I'd write stuff with we, my friend Dan and I. We had a show called Entertainment Beverly on a local cable access, um, nice. you know, channel, and so like it was always just like creating stuff and having fun and 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 doing stuff like that. Um, but I never considered myself a writer. Like I, I didn't consider myself a writer like until fairly recently when really? I just had to write something just out of sheer uh, force of it. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. I don't know why I've been denying that aspect of myself for so long, but I've always enjoyed the process. And I was a writing minor in college. So, you know, it was always, always a part of me. Fabulous. Yeah, I, I definitely know that. I know that old, old experience. Um, you know, I wish I still had, I kind of wish I still had all those steno notebooks that I would fill with short stories that should have been filled with school assignments. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Where would you be today, they, though? <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, you know, the reason why I say like, I, I kind of wish, I kind of wish I still had them is because, you know, like, I know, looking back at it, it's gonna be like, oh, man, that was awful. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but at the same time, it's like that's where so many of the characters that I'm still working with today were cultivated, where they kind of found a little bit of their voice. Um, so, yeah, I, I know exactly what what uh, what that's like. Um, Jen, what, so Jen, what was it like for you? What uh, when did you get into writing? Yeah, I'm trying to think. So I, I have to say I've been really, really shy about writing and I still I, I, I kind of still feel like I am. Um, I was an, a double major in college. I was an English major, but I, I really shied away from creative writing and um, really just kind of stuck to those 
research papers. <laughs> um, but I, I think it was a little uh, twofold. One is I had an amazing acting teacher. Uh, her name is Anita Jesse. Um, and I started started taking with her uh, right away. My best friend Summer was taking acting classes with her and I just did whatever Summer did because she knew everything and she still does. And um, and so I started taking with her and a few years into taking with, with Anita, she proposed that we um, write, produce and shoot our own films. And this was Oh. you know, the early aughts. So it was before yeah. people were really doing this. I mean, we didn't have our, the cell phones we do now. We didn't have any of that. We had to rent equipment. We had to mm-hmm. find somebody to shoot it. And it was kind of, it was one of those things where I think Anita really saw the industry changing and the industry being about, this is when, you know, Ben and, and Matt were, you know, Ben and yeah. Matt, like I know them. <laughs> was an extra we, all know, we all know Ben and Matt. Yeah. We all know. It feels like we know them, right? I, I was an extra yeah. in Goodwill Hunting, so I yeah, can say yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, um, so nice. it was when, you know, it was when Goodwill Hunting, I mean, it, it was probably years after Goodwill Hunting, but still, it was just yeah. that feeling of like the industry's changing, actors aren't just going to be actors, they have to do more. And I think yeah. she really had that that foresight and, and mm-hmm. she really got us to do things that we weren't comfortable with. I mean, I was, I mean, pretty much kicking and screaming of like, I don't want to do anything but be an actor. That's all I want to do. That's all I signed up for. Like, what is this, you know? And so she kind of got those wheels turning. And then I think it was just, um, so like I said, we, we had to make these films and, um, and then, and so we, I think, you know, the first year, the first time, you know, we all put our films out there. And then by the next time we did it, it was like, oh, it's on. Like, I'm going to make the best film nice. in this thing. You know, like it was nice. like, okay, we're doing this. But then, you know, like yep. I said, I'm still shy and, um, and summer I'm talking about again is, um, is probably one of, like the best writers that I know. So here, my best friend is, you know, this incredible writer. And and I'm just thinking like, oh, well, what do I have to offer? But just like little by little, I think Mm -hmm. doing a lot of improv, you know, um, you kind of in a way like write (laughs) in a a way. And so I would just kind of Mm -hmm. like take that and just kind of, you know, record stuff, like put stuff down and, and be like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then I, and then I think what really broke me out of my shell was, um, I had this idea for a really long time. Once I had my son, our son, that um mm-hmm. that motherhood kind of felt like like the college experience and i know that sounds odd but it was little things like like up on like staying up all night like all nighters and you know eating like chicken nuggets and um and like cleaning up bottles but like a different kind of bottle and um and like you know just like little things like that that I was like oh that like this kind of feels like college and then Mm -hmm. I'd be like I'm gonna write that down you know and so I write down just these little sentences and, and then it was like the more that I wrote down the more came to me and so um and then it was like, I don't know, I don't need to get into it, but it was just, like I said, the, the more that I did it, the, the, the more confident I became in it. And so, um, you know, Carl and I were like, let's shoot it. It was just, it was a passion project of mine that I really wanted to do. Yeah. And so, um, I, I remember, uh, Carl, um, had a, a connection for me. 
um, mm-hmm. Melissa Foreman, and she was just starting an online network called or online network. Yeah, yeah. Online network, yeah. Um, yeah. It was all women, and it was called um, Network B. Network B. I was like B Network Network B. And so he had suggested that I go meet with her and pitch this idea. Well, as you can tell, I'm not great mm. at pitching, and so you know she, we had already shot a little bit of it. But I went in and and I and I kind of gave her the pitch, and she goes okay, what else you got? And I was like, uh, well, oh. um, you know, uh, season two will be this. And she's like, okay, what else? And I was like, well, then I think season three will be and it, like, clearly she did. She was not connecting with the project, but like, I didn't have anything else for her. Yeah. Like that was my big plan. And wow. so I, and so at the end she was like, okay, well, how should we proceed? And I was like, I'm just going to send you what we have. And so Anyway, I, I, you know, rushed home, sent it to her and, and she wrote back Mm -hmm. and she was like, this is amazing. She was like, you're terrible at pitching. (laughs) And she was like, this is, this is so much better than you explained it. And I love it. And yes, we want it. We're going to, we're going to do it. And so it was then like, okay, we've got to shoot the rest of this, you know? It was like immediate distribution, which never happens, by the way, that does not happen. (laughs) But, um, but you, you know, I think, I think unfortunately um you know part of of being a performer you kind of wait mm-hmm. for that like that applause in some sort of way but however that comes you know yeah. i think it's really difficult to just as a creative person just you know put yourself out there and be like i don't care if everyone hates it like this is me this is you like i mean people that can do that I, I worship. I, right. I'm not one of those people. So I, I think I just kind of, you know, dipped my toe in the water, hoped for, you know, a good response. And then, and then the more that I got, the more I wanted to do, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> well, and, and I, to, to, to be honest, through that project. So, you know, I, I am a director. I think of myself as a director, um, mm-hmm. but that was really Jen's project and her vision and her perspective, because we'd be in situations and I'd be, I'd be operating the camera, right? I'd be like, oh yeah, it would be cool to do this, right? And I would do something. And then yeah. Jen gave me the freedom to say that and do that. But then she's like, can we actually just do this instead? And, and changed it to what she really wanted it to be. And I found that direction like from her to be so clear um, and consistent. I'm like, oh, you should, you should be doing this more often. Um, but I think it was just by doing it to get, get you comfortable doing those kinds of things um, because it wasn't something you were comfortable yeah. Mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Just to follow up on that real quick. So um, have you gone into directing since then? Sort of. I mean, when Carl and I work on things together, I would say, I mean, I don't know if he agrees. <laughs> there's there's sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. that I think that we co-direct in a way like I certainly would never take that credit away from Carl but in producing um when when we co-produce there tends to sometimes be this element of directing I mean it might not be in the moment on set but in the edit room Mm -hmm. for sure yeah and Jen's a great storyteller I mean she knows what's good and she can elevate a project which especially with changing lanes I mean that happened every step of the way from once we read the script to once we were shooting it and a constant mm-hmm. collaboration in that that experience all the way down to before we hit send, you know, on the export, making mm-hmm. sure it was to, to the level she wanted it to be. Because it really is a one woman show. I mean, ultimately, it's a one woman show um, yeah. with Jen as, as the lead. 
Um, and she's phenomenal in it. I mean, it's hilarious and she's great and, and runs the gamut. Like it's super fun. Yeah. So it's, so there's um, there's been obviously success, the two of you working together, but at the same time, you've both done quite a bit on your own. Um, Jen, you know, like, like I said at the very beginning of the, of the episode, um, we have seen you on Dexter. We have, and just this past, uh, this uh, couple of weeks ago, I believe, uh, we saw you on the Goldbergs. Yeah. Um, so what have those experiences been like while you're still doing like all the other things you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I am so, so incredibly grateful for those experiences. I think, um, you know, if I'm honest, like TV is really where I want to be and where I continue to strive to be. Um, and every yeah. opportunity that, you know, that comes my way, I'm mm -hmm. so grateful for. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, as far as, as auditioning goes, you know, I just had an audition last night, you know, it's, it's a, it's, Fortunately for me, I've, I've noticed the more that I do on my own, um, and when I say on mm -hmm. my own, I mean, you know, obviously with an incredible team and, um, and people that want to play as well, um, right. the more that we do together, the, the more opportunity I feel like comes my way. And, yeah. and, and I think that that's a lot of things. I think that that's, you know, your like my own confidence building um as far as like my place in this industry and my place as an actor in this industry mm -hmm. and you know my voice and all of that um but i think also it doesn't make every audition so important you know don't get me wrong like i mourn everything right. i don't get but um but at the same time like <laughs> you know you know, you, you can tend to feel really powerless in this industry. And I think mm -hmm. that the more that we really empower ourselves to make content and make the content that we want to make, do the roles that we want to do, um, you know, pretty early on when I was out here, I used to do these incredible acting workshops. And one of them um, was with Jason Alexander. And, oh, nice. you know, I'll never forget. Yeah, it was incredible. And I'll never forget. Um, you know, he, he was like, you know, as an, he's like, he's like, I'm an actor. He's like, I, in my eyes, I'm Hamlet. You know, he's like, I'm, you know, I'm this person, I'm this person. And he's like, but when I walk in a room, I'm George Costanza. <laughs> and he said, and, and so I essentially have to know that about myself, but also kind of make my own opportunities when I want to be Jason Alexander, the actor. And I feel mm -hmm. the same way. There's, you know, there's, there's assumptions people make by the way I look, the way I sound when I walk in a room, this is this, oh, that's, you know, who this person is, but I'm an actor. I want to be all, I want to be Hamlet, you know, like I want to do it all. Mm -hmm. And then, and I think that with yeah. making our own content, we really give ourselves permission to do it all. And, and I think too, just to piggyback on, on what Jen's saying there is when, when we move out to Los Angeles, right? I moved out right around the same time and I wanted to be a director and nobody was right. giving me that opportunity. I was essentially empowering other people to tell me, no, you can't do what you want to do. Hmm. And by doing that, I wasn't putting you know myself first. I wasn't making films. I wasn't putting my content out there until really the 48 hour film project came about is like, oh, here's an opportunity to do it. Even though I have a full-time job and you know I don't have much time, like I can do something in a weekend and then have mm -hmm. something come out of that experience. And it's by 
by giving ourselves that permission and by empowering ourselves to do what we want to be doing, we're not letting anybody else tell us that we can't. Like I didn't move out to LA for someone to say, no, you can't be a director because that is why I moved out to LA. Yep. So that's that's another really big reason to, to do that. Don't let somebody else, you know, tell you your own worth. You know, you, you have to know that. Excellent. Yeah. And I think too, like, um, just, just to piggyback on what Carl said, is that uh, too, I find people really frozen by this idea of everything having to be perfect or meaningful, or um, that it has to be the best thing they've ever made. And because of that, you know, they, they feel really, um, yeah, I mean, pressure. Pr like yeah, pressured. pressure. Yeah, that they can't <laughs> move forward. And they can't, they can't make anything because it's not going to be the best. And we have this like, really big, I mean, I definitely did like this art house idea that everything has to be the top notch. And even Scorsese's like, not like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it, you know, yeah. throw some spaghetti yeah. against a wall, see if it sticks, you know? And I know mm -hmm. the Duplass brothers are really big about constantly making their own material. You know, you, mm -hmm. you also have the option to like, not show it, <laughs> you know, like you have that option yeah. as well, yeah. you know? So exactly. yeah, I think, I think that's an important thing too, is it doesn't have to be a masterpiece, just do it. The, the failure is in yeah. not doing. There's no failure in trying. If you, you mm -hmm. can try, like what's yeah. the quote about Thomas Edison? You know, he tried a hundred times to, to make a light bulb and um, 99 of those times he figured out a way not to make a light bulb, but it was like that last time to make the light bulb. So they weren't failures. They were just steps to get to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. It's it's like what uh, like what Lauren Michael says about SNL. We don't go on. We don't go on because it's perfect. We go on because it's eleven thirty. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah I yeah. love that. <laughs> now with so now with with, with everything that you that uh, the both of you have been doing, all of your your accolades and everything, and all of your experience that you've both been continuing to build upon, there's also an Emmy Award hanging mm -hmm. around in, in that house. Carl, tell us a little bit about that, please. Sure. Um, so I, I also, my day job is I'm the head of production at Fox Sports Films. So I oversee um, production for all the documentaries um, that come through Fox Sports. I um, mean, one of those documentaries was a special we did called 100,000 Cameras, um, Ohio State at Michigan. And um, mm -hmm. it was a, a film produced by NASCAR Productions. Um, even though it was a college football game, NASCAR Productions did it because they were the ones who had kind of come up with that concept themselves. And we're like, oh, what if we do it in this in this football arena? So my job as an executive in that situation was trying to get the the car people to talk to the football people in language that they all understood. And, you know, everyone mm -hmm. who's in production gets it. But, you know, just kind of all the coordination and everything that needed to happen. Um, and so. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I, I tell everybody. You know, I was also nominated for for an Emmy for Shark Tank because I was a co-executive producer on Shark Tank um, for a few seasons. No and um, and right after that, I left to go to Fox Sports. And that was when they started winning, winning the Emmys. Um, but um, <laughs> I didn't work harder or do anything different on any of mm -hmm. these shows that have been nominated or that have won awards or anything like that. Like it's an awesome accolade. And I really, I'm very proud of it to be sure. Yeah. However, it's not like I've done anything different 
on that production that I've done on, you know, the hundreds of other productions that, that I've worked on. We always put our all into it, no, no matter what it is. So it was just yeah. also lucky, right? I mean, it's like we, we were lucky. I mean, we made good content and, and I'm very proud of the content too, um, mm -hmm. because that was also a very fast turnaround um, project where I want to say like it was from shooting to air in like eight days of wow. all user generated content. Um, oh, wow. so it was, it was a pretty, pretty intense, um, experience. And especially when you're doing it on the, the television level, like once you get to those deadlines where TV's involved and marketing and promotion money have gone in, like you better make that air date, you better make that air time. And there's a, there's definitely a lot of pressure that goes into it. Um, but yeah, but we ended up winning, winning an Emmy that year for it. Um, and quick, funny story about it is I actually didn't realize that mm -hmm. I had won the Emmy. Um, my boss had gone up to get the award and he had invited me to the ceremony just because I thought, you know, oh, here you can. Well, I, you were nominated for another show. There was another show that we were nominated for. And that's really why I thought I was there. So um, yeah. we didn't win for that one, the the other one. And so when I found we I heard that this 100,000 cameras one, I was like, yay, our, one of the shows that my department worked on, we worked on, yay. And then I opened up the program to the Emmys. They give you this like pr this book that's like all the awards with all the nominees listed. And I yeah. looked, I'm like, wait a minute, my name is listed under this, under this thing. And I turned to the person next to me who um, was a stranger, a complete stranger. And I'm like, I think I just won my first Emmy. I, my, is my name there? Do you see my name there? So it was, it was such a surreal experience because it was not um, expected in any way, shape or form. And then suddenly it, it occurred. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it was one of those funny, funny experiences. Cause again, it was like, yes, I'm proud of the content. I'm, I'm proud of other films that I've worked on that have not been nominated for anything, um, right. as well, but it was, it was a pretty cool experience. I, I have to say, and then I called you, I called Jen and I was like, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. That is so cool. That is so cool. So, um, so for everyone out there who is kind of in that same, um, that same, area of you know just really trying to trying to get themselves on their feet trying to make a name for themselves in this amazing business that um what one piece of advice would you have for them to kind of have them to allow them to kind of take that first step what would you suggest that first step would be toward achieving their own goals well yeah i mean <laughs> i think um I think probably like the one that I think right off the bat is to really uh, like, for lack of a better saying, like get your shit together. Like, I yeah. think that, you know, we as artists and I raise my hand high on this one is, you know, I, I feel mm -hmm. like we can be heavy on craft and really lack that, you know, business professionalism that or not professionalism, but that business side that is yeah. really at the end of the day, you know, this business, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars and employees, people all over the world. I mean, it is a business and mm -hmm. that can, that's not always, I think the first thing that actors and, and artists really gravitate towards. This is like, we want to, you know, we want to, you know, be the, the artist. Um, and unfortunately, like, that's yeah. not always going to, to be the case. So I think, I think that would be number one, but I think something 
probably more important, and this could probably, you know, be for all of us, but I think it's really, really important to take, (laughs) this is going to sound cheesy, but to take the time to really know yourself. And with that, Mm -hmm. I mean, like, really know what you're what you're capable of and what your boundaries are and how you can continue to thrive as a person within this industry. Um, and when I say that, I, I mean, like, whether that is like, oh, I'm really on heavy, I'm really heavy on craft. I really need to talk to someone about how to be a better businesswoman, or, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I am devastated at, you know, every, audition I don't get or every role I don't get like I and I'm and I'm finding myself in a deep depression and and what do I need you know to to really lift myself out of that you know it's I think it's I think this business can be just devastating in so many ways it can also be incredible in so many ways I mean that's the beauty of it and um you know we always talk about like this you know this town it can turn on a dime and that can go either way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really yeah. important to know yourself in that and what and how you operate within that mm-hmm. context to really stay healthy. And, and I think yeah. once you do that, right, and it's not, that's not something easy to do, but once once you do that, um, and, and maybe even a little bit before you do that, finding other people in the same place as you tends mm-hmm. to be exceptionally um, uplifting because you kind of bring bring everybody up together in that yeah. way. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finding like-minded people, you know, people who say, I want to be a writer. There are writers mm-hmm. groups, you know, in every city in most major places. And if they're not, hopefully you have internet connection and can, can you know, do remote things now. Now with COVID, it's made a lot of things remote that people never thought could be remote before. So those kinds of opportunities um, exist finding groups of filmmakers. You know, I've found a community of like-minded filmmakers doing the 48-hour film project, doing the Producers Guild of America um, weekend challenge, um, doing the Easter Seals Disability Film mm-hmm. Challenge, and these are true like communities of filmmakers and artists and people who do stuff, and we support each other. Like, never am I gonna, you know, yeah. not champion somebody else who's made something like that because I know exactly what they're going through you know it's the same kinds of experience so and when you find those people they support you you support them um the the that's i think the best way to take that first step then you're not doing it alone if you're really afraid of doing that and -hmm. you can just jump into the water together um it makes it it makes it a much easier swim that way absolutely absolutely and where can um where can my listeners find you both on social media so I um, am pretty much, this is terrible, but only on Instagram, um, but I am at LA Hokie. So two of my favorite things, Los Angeles and the fact that I went to Virginia Tech, go Hokies. Mm-hmm. So LA Hokie um, on Instagram. That's yes, H-O-K-I-E. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <E-S>, Hokies. <laughs> Sorry, I had to finish that, obviously. <laughs> I said I said how to set it up thank for you. Thank you, thank you. Um, and I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm uh, the Carl Hansen on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. So regular Carl Hansen, I think, was taken by a furniture maker in Denmark, uh, which I am not. Um, not yet, anyway. Not yet. I mean, listen, I'm still relatively You're young. You're young. Yeah, learn, learn woodworking. Um, but uh, Instagram as well. I'm F Hansen1 at F Hansen1. So F H A N S E N, the number one. 
um, mm -hmm. and Instagram. Um, and then you can see all these wonderful films that, um, that we've been talking about in projects on um, beverlyentertainment.com. Um, so uh, beverlyentertainment.com will have all, the, all those projects listed. Excellent, beverlyentertainment.com. Guys, if you are not feeling inspired to do exactly what uh, what Carl and Jen were saying before, dig into your pocket, pull out your phone, turn on the camera and start filming, I don't know what to say. So I really hope that all of you have been able to uh, able to absorb both Jen and Carl's stories. I hope that all of you are following their lead in going ahead and getting your stories out there and for Jen Eldridge and Carl Hansen, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today.